Thank you so much, Doug, for that prayer this morning. If you have a Bible with you this morning, I'd like you to turn in the book of Titus, the New Testament book of Titus, to chapter 2 and verse 15. As we continue in our study of the book of Titus, and I'm going to do something a little different this morning, we're primarily, not exclusively, going to look just at one verse this morning, and I'm going to use that one verse to lead us into what I hope is a very meaningful celebration of communion this morning in your life. Two weeks ago, that God's plan of salvation was fulfilled at a specific time in history. In verse 11, it says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. The grace of God, the grace of God is God's plan of salvation, his free gift of salvation that was accomplished through the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ for our sins and then his victorious resurrection from the dead. In that death and resurrection, he did everything, everything, I mean 100% everything to accomplish our salvation. It was planned in the triune council of God before eternity began, or in the uh, past of eternity. It was prophesied in the Old Testament, but it was fulfilled at a very specific time when Jesus came into the world to be our salvation. For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people, bringing the offer of salvation for all people who will believe. But we learn not only does salvation save us from our sin, not only does it spare us from the damnation of hell and from future judgment, but the salvation of God, the grace of God, trains us As believers, our salvation, the grace of God, is constantly training us. First, it trains us to stop giving in to sin and to live our lives for Christ. In verse 12, it says, Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, in this present age. So it not only saves us, brings us into a right relationship with God, but it is training us. It is training you right now, if you know Christ as your Savior, to say no to sin, to stop giving in to sin, and to live your life for Christ. But not only does it train us that to do that, it also trains us to wait joyfully for the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the grace of God, the salvation of God is training us right now to stop giving in to sin, to live our lives for Christ, and to eagerly, joyfully wait for the second coming of Jesus. In verses 13 and 14 it says, Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, And to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. 
waiting, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The grace of God, the salvation of God is training us to do that. Oh, the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation. And so the Apostle Paul writes to Titus and tells him to declare these things with authority. And that is our verse this morning. Titus, declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Now, declare these things generally refers to the whole chapter, going all the way back to verse 1. But as for you, Titus, teach what accords with sound doctrine. But specifically, I believe he's saying, declare these things, declare, declare, Titus, that the grace of God has appeared, bringing Salvation. Declare these things. Explain the teachings of Scripture with clarity and accuracy. Exhort. It means to passionately plead with people to believe. Believe the Word of God. Believe what the Scriptures say about salvation. Believe in Jesus, trust him as Lord and Savior. Exhort and rebuke, warn people that if you do not receive Christ as your Savior, you are in danger of the judgment of hell and of facing God as a righteous judge when you die. Oh, come to the Savior, exhort and rebuke, but notice it says, with all authority. With all authority. I want you to hang on to that this morning. It means with the authority of Scripture. With the authority of the Word of God. With the authority of what God himself has said. Let no one, he says, disregard you. It literally means let no one say to you, Titus, that this is unimportant. Let no one say to you that the preaching of the word of God, especially as it pertains to salvation in Christ, is unimportant. It literally means let no one pass you by and say you shouldn't do this. It is extremely important. Now, I want you to think of this. Declare these things. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. It has been said that verse 15 that this single verse is one of the clearest and strongest statements in Scripture about the spiritual authority of men whom God calls to preach his word and to shepherd his people. And I just want you to think about this. Do this with all authority and your authority. Your authority is the word of God. Folks, this morning I want you to know something. That in and of themselves, pastors have no authority. No authority. They speak authoritatively only, only when they speak the word of God accurately. 
my authority does not come from the fact that I'm a pastor or I carry the title of senior pastor or lead pastor. That is not where my authority comes from. My authority comes from the word of God and the word of God only. And that is why I shared with you in this series the importance of the expositional preaching of the word of God. And I shared with you the importance of preaching through books of the Bible because, folks, that's where our authority comes from. That is our authority that we are under. The very words of God himself. The late theologian J.I. Packer said this, He said the preacher must put himself out of the way and let God's work speak through him unhindered. No matter what his training, experience, or personal abilities, he has spiritual authority only, only to the extent that what he says conforms to God's word. So I want to say to all of us, for any of you who teach in any capacity, I don't care what the age group You may lead a Bible study at Beacon of Hope. You may lead a Bible study in a home. You may teach a Sunday school class. You may have a Bible study at work. I say to all of you, get out of the way and let the word of God speak. Get out of the way and let the word of God speak. We think of Paul's famous admonition to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. And I want you to notice how verse 15 and 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 2 are parallel passages. They, in essence, are saying the same thing. 2 Timothy 4, verses 1 and 2. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, And by his appearing, notice, the grace of God has appeared. And by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready, in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation. Our second point this morning is this. Nothing is more important. And that is the title of this message this morning. Nothing is more important than our salvation. Everything, everything in your Christian life is based on the fact that you've had a genuine conversion experience through repentance of your sin And receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Everything about your Christian life is built on the assumption. Built on the fact that there has been a time in your life. Where you had a genuine conversion experience. Where you repented of your sin. And by prayer, receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You see, without salvation, there is no assurance of forgiveness. Without salvation, there is no assurance of eternal life. 
You cannot be assured of life beyond the grave without knowing for sure that you are saved. Without salvation, there is no peace from God. And as we learned in Titus 2, 11 through 14, without salvation, there is no power to live the Christian life. If you aren't truly saved, you have no power to obey the word of God and to live the Christian life. I think of what I heard John MacArthur say many years ago. He said, whenever you disciple someone or mentor someone spiritually, the very, very, very first thing you want to do is make sure they're saved. Because if they're not saved, then you are discipling a spiritual corpse. And he said, the reason we don't see growth in some Christians' life, lives, the reason we don't see growth in some Christians' lives is because they've never really been saved. So I want to ask you this morning a very important question. This morning, are you sure you have had a genuine conversion experience? As you sit in this auditorium, as you watch my live stream this morning, are you sure in your heart of hearts that you have had a genuine conversion experience, a time in your life where you repented of your sin and received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I'm not asking you if you had an emotional experience sometime in your life. When people come to Christ, sometimes they're emotional, sometimes they're very cerebral and calm. That was true in my own life. I just knew it was true. I just knew it was the truth. I'm not asking you how much of the Bible you know. I'm not asking you how many verses you've memorized. I am asking you, are you sure that you've had a genuine conversion experience? A few months ago, one of our men, Mark Lutz, sent me a little devotion from author, pastor and author Max Lucado. And I found it really intriguing. Excuse me. And I've actually been pondering it ever since Mark sent it to me. And in this little devotion, he asks a what-if question. And that question is this. What if the only gift God ever gave you was your salvation? What if the only gift that God gave you in your life was the free gift of salvation, knowing that your sins are forgiven, knowing that God is always going to now be always with you, knowing that you will be spared from hell and the judgment to come? If that's all he ever gave you, would you be content? Now, He quickly says in the devotion, yes, God does answer prayer. But, he said, there will be times in your life where you go through hard times, difficult times, maybe even times of suffering in which you will pray and God will either say wait or no. Are you okay? 
Because you're saved. You have salvation. Is the grace of God that brings salvation sufficient for you to bring you contentment in your life? I want to do something a little different right now. I'm going to have us watch a a short video clip. Just a few weeks ago, what I believe whom I believe to be one of the great pastors of our generation, went home to be with the Lord. Tim Keller went home to be with the Lord on May 19th after a three-year battle with pancreatic cancer. And what you're going to watch, John Piper, one of his close ministry friends and colleagues, tells about the last email that Tim Keller sent to him before he died. Now, John Piper addresses this to young pastors, but I think it has application to all of us. And so, guys, I'm going to have you dim the lights. It's just a very short video, but I want you to think carefully about what he says. Based on the final exchange by email that Tim Keller and I had, there's something I think he would want me to say to younger pastors, maybe younger everybody. We were reveling together in Luke chapter 10, verse 20, where Jesus responds to the 72 disciples as they return from their ministry, and they are overjoyed that the demons are subject to them. And Jesus responds, do not rejoice that the spirits are subject to you. Rejoice in this, that your names are written in heaven. And Tim reminded me that Martin Lloyd-Jones found more comfort in that as he was dying than in any other text. My name is written in heaven. So here's what I think Tim would want me to say. By all means, do your biblical exegesis. By all means, do your cultural exegesis. By all means, preach the the word of God with all your heart. By all means, love your church, care for the flock. But under all that, in all that, above all that, be more thrilled that you are saved than that you are successful. Take more delight in the Savior than in his service. That's what I think Tim Keller would want me to say. I want you to think about that with me this morning. Tim Keller was known as a pastor theologian. They're actually quite rare. He was both pastor with seminary training, but he had extensive educational training. He was also gifted as a theologian, so very, a lot of academic intellectual abilities that he had. The church that he pastored, Redeemer Presbyterian Church in the middle of New York City, under his pastorate went from 300 people to over 5,000 people. His books and his sermons were listened to and read around the world. 
And yet, when he knows he's dying, the most important thing in his life was that his name was written in heaven. And I want you to know this morning that when you die, when you're on your deathbed someday, as we will all be, the most important thing will be that you know that your name is written in heaven. This is going to lead us into communion. Communion is a very important time for the church. It is a time of self-examination. As you sit in your chairs this morning, as you take communion, I want you to ask yourselves, am I sure? Am I sure that I have had a genuine conversion experience? Folks, I'm old enough now to know through the years I have known of pastors, missionaries, deacons, Sunday school teachers who have said, I'm not sure I've ever been saved. I know all the right things to say. I know all the right things to do, but I'm not sure that I've ever genuinely been saved. You can do that. You can make sure right here this morning where you sit. You can make sure. And if afterwards you need to talk to someone, you can talk to one of the pastors. You can talk to uh, one of our deacons. We have our deacons down front. You can talk to uh, someone maybe that you know from our church. Whatever it takes this morning, make sure you know. At this time, we're going to share the Lord's Supper together. One deacon is going to pray for the bread and cup. The deacons will hand out the bread and cup together, so they will come in a little stack. And when everyone has been served, I will read a passage of Scripture, and then we'll eat together. Then I'll read a second passage of Scripture, and we will drink together. If you're watching by live stream this morning, we encourage you to use this time as an important time of reflection and meditation. At this time, we will share the Lord's Supper together.